This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the worst girl gang ever. We are joined today by Katie Seppi. Uh, Bex is doing sign language. So we sorry. almost got interrupted. Almost. <laughs> My husband just walked in. <laughs> Literally said to him about 10 minutes, I'm just about to do a podcast. Go, don't come in. Don't come in. Well, we're joined by Katie, Katie Seppi, and you might know her, uh, her as Chasing Creation on Instagram. Um, welcome to our fancy studio, Katie. Yeah. Thank I- you. Are you impressed by our professionalism so far, Katie? Or uh... <laughs> I actually am. I mean, I I told you I just woke up, so I'm <laughs> I'm getting. For someone going that just woke up, you are looking pretty <laughs> on point. I have no. to say, yeah. Well, not, thank you. Not jealous at all. A little bit of lippy does wonders, doesn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, lipstick will fix anything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so Katie, why don't we start at the very beginning? Tell us how you came to find us and um, and what sort of makes you a member of our gang. Yeah, so um, I actually don't know if I am part of your game because I haven't experienced loss necessarily in the sense of I have never had a positive pregnancy. Um, but I did go through um, four years of infertility and I'm now uh, embracing my childless life. And um, I think you guys actually found me. So I was excited to have you reach out. And then that's how I first heard about you and um, have listened to some of your podcast episodes since. And I'm a big fan. Yeah, we reached out because um, we have lots of people contact us um, just who are unsure about whether to keep trying and when is the right time to to stop trying for a baby. Mm-hmm. And um, you you are like a, a voice for that community. And recently, I think you did a a post about a new hashtag. Um, yeah. So people um, use the hashtag childless not by choice, don't they? Usually, or people people have been. Um, mm-hmm. And what you were saying is that it can be quite triggering because these people who are childless not by choice, a lot of them that are using the hashtag are still trying and are still sad and angry and really struggling to not to to close the door on trying for a baby whereas people who have decided to stop trying for a baby sort of need a different space don't they 
Yeah, and I would actually say that I think that any of the examples you gave, I would not think it was weird for them to be using childless not by choice. I, mm. I think the ones that I ended up seeing a lot and why um, Tanya Hubbard and I came up with the idea for the um, hashtag and to create a separate space is that you would see um, like hashtag childless and then childless not by choice. Um, there's a lot of pregnancy announcements. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who have gone through infertility and then they'll um, you know, get pregnant and then they'll have their pregnancy announcement with childless not by choice. And I think it's because they're like, look, I finally got pregnant and I want to give you hope. But I don't think it lands that way, especially for someone who is no longer trying and they're trying to just scroll through their feed to find community and what's coming up is um, pregnancy announcements. It's just not helpful. <laughs> um, and then I think the other thing with like hashtag childless, you get a lot of parents who just don't have their children with them for the night. Like they're on a date or they're on like a weekend oh, getaway. Like and child so, free. Yeah, or childless. They'll they'll yeah. use both. And so um that's can also be hard when you're scrolling through and then there's parents yeah, on it. celebrating the fact that they're not with their kids. Yeah. So Yeah, um, that's that's hard. Yeah. So we we actually um Tanya Hubbard is another um woman in our community. We we actually started that hashtag, I think about a year ago, maybe. And then we just reposted it to let mm. people who are newer to the community know that it exists. So we thought with the, it's hashtag embracing childless. And we thought that that would not leave as much room for ambiguity because you'd really only be using that if you knew what it was and had found it and were thoughtful about using it. So I still use the other hashtags too, but this is a way to hopefully try to make it more targeted to just um, those who are permanently childless, not, not by choice. And um, to have a, a place free of pregnancy announcements and parents. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it's I just do. a safe, safe space, isn't it? Because mm. like we mm. know it's pregnancy announcements are so difficult to see and yeah. bring out such challenging emotions by themselves. You know, just the, work, the last thing you need is to start feeling shit about yourself for feeling shit, you know, for reading someone else's happy news and then feeling shit. It's just this endless sort of cycle yeah. of, of negative thoughts and um feelings but so tell us a little bit about how you came to be embracing childlessness sure um so uh, like i said i went through about four years of infertility and my underlying conditions that were keeping me from getting pregnant ended up being that i had um, uterine polyps fibroids and endometriosis that was um, pretty severe and so I hadn't been diagnosed with any of those things until I was a few years into my um, infertility journey, but I- That's frustrating. It's really frustrating. I've mm -hmm. had the symptoms of the endometriosis since I started my period at 12 and just was you know, dismissed by doctors and was never diagnosed. And so, um, so during that four years, we did do one IVF cycle. I didn't have any viable embryos from it and it was really hard on my body. So I decided I didn't want to keep going that route. And then um, I ended up ultimately deciding to have a hysterectomy for health reasons. And that was in 2000, let's see, it was four years ago. So 2018, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, I found that when I was going through infertility, it was it was easy to find the support that I needed. There were a lot of resources out there and there were a lot of forums and places I could go to talk to other people who were experiencing similar things. And I found that once I moved into the decision to stop pursuing parenthood, I could not find 
hardly any resources for that. I yeah. I knew about Jody Day. I read her book. There were a few other women who had written memoirs about their experience. And so I read all the books I could find, but I couldn't, I was having a really hard time finding the live community aspect of it where there's like another human that I could just talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I only have one person in my, in my personal life who's childless, not by choice. And so and you know we're not super close, and so I just didn't know where to go to get that support. So I decided to make it. So I started um, chasing creation as a way to just try to find anyone else really who I could just connect with and talk to about what I was experiencing. And then um, that was about three years ago, and it's just continued to grow and grow. And now I have this amazing community, and it's been fantastic. So that is incredible. It's so yeah. needed, isn't it? It's so needed because we do, as Laura said right at the beginning, we do, I mean, we post about the difficulties, the difficulty that you have to lose a baby and then try Mm. again. But we don't often talk about, I suppose, because it's neither, it's not within either of our experiences Mm -hmm. um, to make that decision to stop trying yet. But it's something that you're you're thinking about now, Laura, isn't it? So we've, you're personally starting to um, explore the the decision to stop trying and obviously Laura has got a little boy but that mm. decision to st- to stop and to actually say enough now is is such a heavy decision isn't it mm. is it one you made for yourself or, or was it one that you had to I know that you said you had a hysterectomy for health reasons but was there mm. any way that you could have done anything else or were you just like this is my story it's time to finish now that that chapter I feel like with I feel like there's almost always something else you could try, right? I mean, even now I have an ovary, so technically I could try to do surrogacy. You know, I could do, I, but I just, I don't know. I think at some point there's so many different factors that go into what you sacrifice as you're pursuing infertility and trying to get pregnant. And so there's the mental health aspect there's the physical impact it has on your body if you're doing you know, treatment. There's the strain it has on your relationships. Um, there's just this waiting in limbo. Like I think I was staying at a job because it had maternity benefits and thinking about the neighborhood I was going to live in. And, you know, well, we can't move there because it'd be really hard to find good childcare or, you know, the school district. And so mm-hmm. it it was... Yes, there are things I could have tried. My my insurance would have covered two more cycles of IVF. I could have looked into adoption. I could still now do surrogacy or adoption, but I just, I was at a point where I felt like I gave it four years of my life. I tried mm-hmm. everything I'm willing to. And at some point, I guess I wanted to have my life back more than I wanted to hold on to this like slim chance that I could end up with a baby. You're so right though. You know, when you say, um, like having your life back because it is all consuming. It does take mm-hmm. over your life, doesn't it? It takes over every thought that you have. Um, friendships are affected by it. Yeah. Jobs, holidays, those sorts of things. Um, yeah. Having your life back. It's a, a, a good sort of more positive way to look at it. It's easier to get your head around when you think, okay, it's either this, this non-life, that this just going through the motions and mm-hmm. feeling disappointed and sad all of the time. Um, 
And then there's that little bit of hope. And people normally only associate hope with the having a baby bit. But actually, take a step back and look at the other options. And it is an option, isn't it? You don't have to keep going and keep going and keep going until you've exhausted all your money and all of your opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, It's obviously there's a lot to get your head around. It's not as simple as that. But um, (laughs) it's an option is all I mean. Yeah. And I think that it's a valid option and it's one that should be explored when you get to a certain point with every other option and just making Mm. those decisions about, you know, what's going to be best for me and my life. And, um, you know, I think this question of, you know, was it a choice or not? Were there other things that you could have pursued? I always say when you get to the childless not by choice community, a lot of us even if we had options left, still don't feel like it's a choice. Mm. You know, many end up here. I say, would say the majority end up here because they're actually uh, single and don't have a partner to try with and they don't want to be a single parent. And so I think that's definitely a demographic that feels left out of the conversation a lot of the time because, you know, they're like, I never even got to try. I didn't get, I didn't go through infertility, but here I am grieving, not being able to be a mom. Mm. Um, And then, you know, for those of us who go through infertility, I would say, you know, the majority of the population just has to have sex to get pregnant. That's it. They have, they have sex for a few months, they get pregnant. That is like most people who want to be parents and a lot of people who don't want to be parents, right? Um, And if you have to go beyond that and you're, you're getting into that territory of like, you've been diagnosed with infertility and you're now having to make really difficult decisions where you're seeing it, you're seeing that take from all these different aspects of your life and you're giving and you're giving and you're sacrificing. And, you know, the longer you're in that, the, the less options you have, cause you've probably already tried things, the less like you're, you're getting into like the worst side of the statistics on everything. Mm. And so it does get to a point where it's, I, I don't know, I, I like to think of it like gambling, where it's like, once you're already so invested, you're like, well, I've already invested this much. I have to keep going because I have to get that jackpot. And it's like, yeah, but you may keep going and not get it. There are plenty of people in the Child is Not by Choice community who literally did exhaust every option that they had. They did, mm. you know, a ton of cycles of IVF. They tried to do surrogacy, they tried to adopt and were not candidates. I mean, I hear every mm-hmm. story, you know, and, and uh, I guess with, you know, the topic of your podcast, there's a lot of women who have experienced loss, um, even up to, you know, having a stillbirth and they keep trying, they keep going and ultimately they're not able to have children. Mm-hmm. And I think to say to anyone you have, you should keep trying until you have a baby. For a lot of people, it's just not realistic. That may never happen, but also it's just asking too much. People go through trauma in this experience. And it's at some point, it's too much to just keep asking people to, to keep going. It's not validate that. Yeah. You know, I understand why it was time for you to stop and I understand why you needed to prioritize other things. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it strips I've only personally got experience of loss, but even that stripped a little part of me away, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I don't feel, I don't still feel hugely affected by it as in, I think my personality has changed, but I can, Mm -hmm. um, I can see that people that go through recurrent loss or people that go through endless infertility, 
they do get stripped away slowly, slowly, slowly. And um, we we watched, we had a podcast with these filmmakers that made a film about, about recurrent miscarriage and their whole, the, the film was told back to front. So in reverse order and at the start of it, so the, the end of the film was their first positive pregnancy test, but the start mm. of the film was after them having had a number of losses and they were pale and they were, there was friction and stuff. And like, yeah. is that your experience of the, coming to the end of your journey of infertility did you feel like a shell of the person that you were as you started the journey oh absolutely I mean what it's it's like you know it's it sounds kind of glib for me to just say I went through four years of infertility like four years is a long time that's a lot of that's a lot of um months of trying and Mm. having negative pregnancy tests and going through that hope despair cycle every month. And then, you know, finding out, okay, let's try this and trying all these different interventions and going to different doctors. And, you know, I had um, two surgeries before my hysterectomy. So it was, you know, getting diagnosed with different things, trying surgery, trying IVF. And um, it's, yeah, it's hard. It does, it becomes all consuming because, it requires you to, I mean, to hold on to hope for something that where your odds are getting worse and worse, the longer you keep going and to try to keep hoping for that. It's very hard. And I, I do think that some of the experiences I had during that time were traumatic for me and that it, it definitely, I was in a very bad space when I got to a place where I was done trying and actually just realized my hysterectomy was four years ago. So I've now been, on the other side of trying for as long as I was trying. And that's a pretty big milestone. Mm. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And when you stopped trying, when you made that decision and you said enough is enough, this is causing me, you know, the sacrifices are are outweighing that, you know, the hope. Mm -hmm. Did things start to get better for you straight away? Or how did you navigate that darkness of that having made that decision and coming to the realization that you weren't going to be a mum? Yeah. I mean, I I had a really good therapist. So I'd say first and foremost, that was the most helpful thing throughout the process. She also helped me kind of go through the decision-making process of, you know, what options do you have left? How are you feeling about everything? And so she was a really big support for me throughout in that last year or so that I was trying and then making the decision to stop trying and um, moving ahead and seeing what that was going to look like. So I definitely say that was helpful, but no, I think that's what's hard about it is even after I made the decision to stop and I had my hysterectomy, there was in some ways like a sense of almost kind of relief. Like I'd been holding my breath for four years and it was like, okay, I'm finally letting this option go. And at least I can now plan and get some control back of my life. And I, need to figure out what that looks like. But I would say the entire next year was really marked with just grieving. And, Mm -hmm. and I think I'd already been grieving before that. So I think a lot of times people ask, what did it feel like, like in that moment? And it's not really a moment, right? Like I'd been slowly grieving over those four years I was trying and the grief was getting more profound, the longer that it went on and the more things Mm -hmm. I tried that weren't working. And so it wasn't like grief started or ended when I decided not to uh, continue pursuing parenthood, but it was just a different phase, I guess, because it was, there was a decision made to it and I was able to 
kind of take that and decide, okay, what does that look like for me? So I would say it probably took another year of being in pretty profound grief and then another year of, okay, my head's coming out of this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I'd say it really took three in the last year is the first time that I've really felt like myself again, where my husband will say, oh, you're getting your personality back. I see you again. You seem like yourself again. And that's, that's been eight years that it took, you know, to get to this place. So So do you still have moments? Do you still have moments where you get pangs of jealousy or doubt or anything like that? Not doubt. I I really feel confident that I made the best decisions for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. The grief is way less than it was and it hits me less often and not as hard. But I think for most of us in the Childless Not by Choice community, it's something that stays with us forever to a certain extent. And I think that can be really hard for our like families and friends to understand where, you know, you hear a lot from childless women where they're like, I just wish, wish someone would recognize it or ask me about it. Um, Mm. even though it's been a year, it's been two years, you know, and, and yeah, I would say it definitely comes up the most with being around um, my niece and nephew that are still very small, like one Mm -hmm. and three, um, or maybe two and four by now, but those are definitely the moments where mm. I I can have the hardest time. But other than that, I'm pretty good nowadays. I don't, it doesn't hit me very often. And did you, when your husband said things like that to you, you know, oh, I can see the old you and I can see you're getting your, you're going back to who you were. How does that make you feel? Do you feel kind of relief or, yeah, how does it feel going back to your old self? Or do you think that person still exists? Oh, no, it's definitely not the same. I think there's no going Can't back be, to like who <laughs> you were, right? No. Mm-hmm. I think it's more just um, the recognition of like, I'm smiling a lot. I'm goofy. I'm playful. I'm getting into my hobbies. I have like vibrant friendships that I actually have energy to invest in. Like, I have vibrators then. I thought you were going to Oh, say. I do have those too. <laughs> 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 no, but I think it's more just the, the vibrancy, right? Of he's like, oh, uh, like Bex, you said be this idea of like being a shell of myself. It's yeah, like yeah. I'm getting my full vibrancy back. It's not the same person that I was, but it's it's me, right? Like my personality is coming back, and it's yeah, it's that vibrancy and excitedness for life, and having things to look forward to, and and getting back into the things that bring me joy. That's great. And ha- as talking about of your partner, ha- like, have you always been on the same page throughout this or how has he, how has he managed it? Yeah. So, um, I hate doing this. I sh- I usually tell you this at the beginning, but that's actually one area I don't talk about because oh, okay. I have like a lot that's of fine. privacy in my marriage. I feel like I choose to make my story public, but he is very private. So no, that's I prefer not yes. to answer that one. That is completely understandable. But you've survived it. You, yeah. you know, you're still together, and yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, but I will say, I mean, I think the impacts on marriage can be so hard, and it's definitely mm. a valid reason that I don't, don't really see talked about. Of another reason why it might be time to stop trying. You know, it puts yeah. a lot of strain on relationships, and I talk to a lot of women who have lost their marriages due to going through infertility and Mm. um so I do think that's something that 
I don't really hear talked about that often, but it's a very yeah. valid reason. It's definitely something that we um, that we look at a lot with loss as well, because it can, mm. when two partners go through the same experience, but have a different stance, a different viewpoint on it, it obviously can cause friction. And so in our, in our courses, we look at relationships and communication within relationships, because it really is key that you're going through such a major thing. If you can't be sort of singing off the same hymn sheet, as it were. Yeah. Um, it's It would be so beneficial to be, to, uh, if you, at least if you don't agree with each other then be able to recognize and validate each other's opinion and 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 viewpoints on it so yeah I agree I think it's it really needs uh, to be addressed and talked about yeah I have heard people say um like people's people say that their partners have said to them it was just us before all of this and we were happy mm. we can we can be happy again um and also acknowledging that a couple is also a family yeah because I, I feel like that can sometimes be overlooked and I wanted to ask you something about um we just had Mother's Day in the UK yesterday yeah which um obviously mums get it's 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 all it's all about the mother and so we you know we support people from the baby loss community and sort of acknowledge them and the troubles that they are having but is that something that is difficult to deal with for the people who you know would have or should have been mums but are no longer pursuing that it's a sort of a strange in between space isn't it yeah i mean i would say it's it's probably the one of the hardest days of the year like maybe that mm. and christmas and then those like grief anniversaries that that people have it's a really tough one and i think there's just reminders everywhere so it's yeah it's like one of the most triggering days of the of the year i think of just like a reminder of what you don't have and i think as hard as it is to go through that when you are not a not a mom but still pursuing parenthood and you're still trying there's still the idea of well this year it's not me but maybe next year it will be mm. you know maybe next year I'll be celebrating and I think when you're out of it's place where you right you still can hold on to that and I think mm. once you're no longer trying it's like it's just that reminder of okay I'm not going to be a mom like I, this is a permanent thing for me and how do I deal with that like I you know I made the mistake of the first few years um, going out to eat on Mother's Day, and I wasn't really thinking about it. The first year we did a brunch spot, which was a big mistake because it was just all mothers and their children. And so mm -hmm. that was hard. And so the next year I was like, let's not go to a brunch place. So we went to this like um, kind of seafood place that I knew wouldn't be busy. We went at like an off hour and it was it was great. There was like hardly anyone there. But then the waitress asked me, Oh, are you a mom? And I said, No, I'm not. And she said, Oh, do you have do you have a dog? Do you have a pet? And I said, No, I don't. And she said, Oh, well, I was gonna wish you happy Mother's Day, but never mind. And walked away. And I think like that interaction, like I'm sure she had no idea like yeah. how painful that was for me to have that interaction. Um, but I think it's just yeah, it's really tough. I I would say within our community it's it's going to be one of the hardest days of the year for people mm. yeah oh that's horrible do you know it's funny I we got a takeaway last night and yeah. I answered the door um and it, there's nothing in my hallway to show that I have a child at all but the guy <laughs> the guy wished me a happy mother's day and I thought that would have really pissed me off if this was a few years ago 
like really really pissed me off but people yeah. are just being kind aren't they and trying to make conversation it's so difficult you know I think four in five women you know are moms so it's kind of mm. a safe assumption that most are and it's no one's really thinking about it it's just an acknowledgement of oh it's this holiday I'm gonna wish everybody this happy day but for a lot of people you know that that one in five who are not moms that's, that's gonna be really difficult yeah time to navigate. Um, I will say one of the suggestions I have uh, for anyone who has someone in their life who is childless, not by choice, is to just send them like a quick text or something that's a to acknowledge um, the importance that they have to you in your life. Like I I have one niece that's uh, 20 and she has texted me every day on Mother's Day for the last like four or five years. And it just makes me cry every year. It brightens my day it just means so much to me that she's thinking about me and just acknowledging mm-hmm. like hey I get that this day's going to be tough for you and you know I'm, I'm so glad that you're in my life and you you mean so much to me That's that can good. go so far yeah um so what were your did you have a lot of support around you when you first decided to stop trying and are your family supportive or have you got friends people that are also been through infertility struggles who did you get the most support from um sorry this is another one that is a little bit tricky for me to answer because I I want to respect everyone's privacy Mm -hmm. that's in my own life but I would say it was a mixed bag so you know some I had a few people who were able to show up in the way that I wanted them to um and then a lot of people really didn't understand it so there are definitely a lot of people who felt like you know, I was making the wrong decision to go through the hysterectomy that I should be doing a second IVF cycle. And I think you it's, don't need people putting those doubts in your mind, do you? When you're making that one of the biggest decisions of, of your life. No. Um, and I, I think it's very dismissive. Like, I don't know of any, well, I'm sure there are others, but I feel like the infertility space, there can be so much toxic positivity in it where it's like, oh, you can't stop. Like it's so there's, it's so easy for someone else to be like, mm. just keep going, mm. just keep try trying. This, try that. Yeah. Yeah. When they're not the ones that are like sacrificing everything to do it. And so yeah. it's frustrating because I think about it a lot where I'm like, what would it have been like if I had been met with more people who had said, yeah, I, I've seen everything that you've gone through. I'm supportive of whatever you decide to do next. And you are whole and valuable and amazing mm-hmm. just as you are, whether you become a parent or not. Like, why is it so hard for us to get anything close to that as a response? I like, you know, 99% I think of what we get is like, you can't stop. You have to keep going, keep trying. And it's because Mm -hmm. they're not able to see happiness and joy and a meaningful life for us without children. And it can be really hard for us to see that for ourselves. Yeah. I think think people just assume that, a baby if they know that you're trying for a baby they know you want to become a parent then they just see the baby as you say is the only happy ending don't they and they can't yeah it's it's incredibly uncomfortable and painful for them to what well, everyone wants your dreams to come true right mm. so to to admit that actually it might not happen is mm-hmm. uncomfortable for them because it doesn't fit the narrative of the story that you want and everyone wants the best for you so they're 
I guess people try and sort of G you up and say, oh, it's okay. Well, have you thought about this? Have you tried this? And it's not necessarily that they don't want to support you through your decisions. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're so desperate for you to find that happiness that they believe is what you want most. But I think a lot of women believe that as well. I certainly did. I certainly believe that the only way to recover from all of this was to have a child. But I think to make, for someone to have made that, you know, life-changing strong brave decision to call it a day and and then and then to be getting those sorts of that those comments and that advice and that toxic positivity mm. must just weigh you down it? yeah, yeah. It is. and and Bex I think that you're I think you're right I think it I don't think it comes from a bad place I think it comes from if someone just watched you go through four years and sacrifice so mm. much to try to get to this angle that you have and then it's not happening and you, it's, it is, it's painful. I think that your friends and family go through their own grieving for you in a way. Mm. And it's very uncomfortable. They don't know what to say to you. They don't know how to support you. Mm. And it's, I, I definitely understand and have compassion for that piece of it as well. But, you know, I had a mom contact me, I was probably about a year ago. And she said, my daughter just decided to stop trying to have a kid and I'm wondering is it okay for me to keep holding on to hope for her if I do it secretly and I thought Mm. what an interesting question like and I told her I said you know your your daughter it sounds like you've been really supportive because she told me you know a bit about the story and I said sounds like you've been really supportive of your daughter and you know she's lucky to have you I would ask that you really listen to your daughter and it's probably been really hard for her to get to a place where she's not hoping for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And she might sense that if you're still continuing to like hope for her and you're like bringing that energy and like feeling around this to her. And I'm just wondering like, what would it take for you to pivot and actually believe that she could find a way to be happy without a kid? Yeah. And hold and, on the hope for that instead. Yeah. yeah. And is that something you could work towards? Cause that that's, if you really want to support your daughter, like that's, that's probably what she needs right now is like someone in her life that actually believes that she can be a happy, fulfilled person without a kid. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like how many people cannot envision that for you. Yeah. How, um, what did she say? Did she write back? <laughs> yeah. She said, she said, I don't think I can do that right now, but I'm going to think about it. And um, she was actually looking for recommendations for like a therapist that she could talk to about this that had specialty in it. So I did, send her some suggestions so I think she Mm. it plants a seed as well doesn't it I think with all these conversations even if people dismiss them or get upset by them or offended or feel sensitive to them that but it plants a seed and I think people lick their wounds and come back and visit things later when they're feeling space for it but I, I really wanted to ask you um about gratitude we love I don't know if you know her Grateful Hearts Club Sharla I don't and she she had a stillbirth and went on to um, stop trying for a baby. Mm-hmm. And she has used gratitude as a, a sort of pathway to, as as we've been talking about, like a, a life without children that is a happy and fulfilled life without children. Mm-hmm. And gratitude, it's been so popular within our courses and stuff, just noticing yeah. things every day that make you smile no matter how small they are um charlotte calls them crumbs of joy and it's just about building up a kind of resource 
bank, if you like, of little things that make you smile to pull on when you're when you're having a downtime. Is that something that you have have successfully done? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a lot easier now. Four years, you know, four years out from a hysterectomy, where I'm just in a very different place with my life. And I, like I said, I am not experiencing that much grief anymore. It's it's very like I think I did a lot of the work of of wading through the worst of it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier for me to start to appreciate how my life looks right now and, and the parts that do bring me joy. Um, my husband, and I actually say all the time, the small things are the big things mm. because we'll get, I mean, you were, before we got on, you're just saying that you have to have like four cups of coffee to get going in the day. Yeah. And the first thing that came to mind is like my husband every single morning makes me a pour over coffee. It's like a morning ritual where he'll he'll make me that and it's just part of our day. And I get so much joy from like watching him go through that ritual and, and making me that cup of coffee and, you know, going for a walk or it just, it, yeah, it's those little things. I definitely, I definitely think that those are the moments that end up making up our lives are just yeah. those small moments. And so, um, yeah, I would say my life is filled with a lot of little joys. Mm, I agree. It's the little moments. Um, what about we do a lot of journaling um, personally and also on the courses? Is that some another tool that you've used to help you survive all of this? You know, it's not. I don't know what it is. I'm not. I'm just not a journaling person. I I never have been. So I don't know. Um, it, it has not. I know it's very helpful for a lot of people. So not I know for everyone, be, is it? No. I mean, I think it's a powerful tool, and for those who it's helpful for, they. Um, you know, they really love it. I think for me, I process very externally. I'm very extroverted. I need someone to bounce ideas and things off of for me to get clarity. I'm kind of that like friend that's going to talk in circles and you'll be like, oh my gosh, why is she still talking about this? (laughs) Oh, I've got a friend like that. (laughs) Are you talking about me? Uh, Did you see me pointing? (laughs) Yeah, but to me, you're pointing at Katie. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, so I think that's where I'm much more of like an external processor where instead of journaling, I'm much more likely to talk to my therapist or friends or, mm. you know, find somebody to kind of bounce those ideas off of. So, but yeah. I, I can see, I definitely see the value of it. I know it's powerful for a lot of people. It's just, it's not my thing. Somewhat, if there's, there's there will be lots of women listening who are in a situation whereby they are at least considering putting an end to their fertility journey. Um, mm-hmm. What what kind of advice would you give them now? I would say if they were, if they were just in that, I, I mean, I remember those days so clearly of just feeling like I was opening the door to that being an option where for mm-hmm. years I had never even considered that that could be a possibility. I think it's that idea of nobody wants to feel like they're the ones who are going to be on the wrong side of those statistics. So everyone goes into IVF thinking like, oh, of course it's going to work for me. Mm. Like this is the thing that you do when you can't get pregnant other ways that works. Um, and so I think, you know, there's for a lot of people, it's difficult to even allow that in as a possibility because it seems to counteract that hope piece of, well, if I'm entertaining this in like, I don't know, I'm not really into the like, manifesting and you have to stay positive because you, you know, you reap what you sow, like whatever you focus on is what's going to happen. I don't 
believe that. I, I know of too many women who are amazing, incredible, tried everything that they could and still didn't have a baby yeah. to believe that you can manifest one by thinking positively enough. Um, so, I, But I think that it can feel like, well, if I let in this idea that I may not end up with a baby, what if that causes it because I'm thinking about it? Or what if that, like, it's just, it, it's, it feels like it's negating that hope that you're trying to hold on to. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be to say that it's not, it's not, I know it's not the outcome that you wanted, but it's also not the scariest thing that could happen. Like they're actually, like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm looked at as people's worst case scenario, but I look at my life and I'm like, no, I'm actually really happy and fulfilled. Mm. And I don't, I see the women in my community. I don't think that we're worst case scenarios. I think that a lot of us find lives filled with just joy and meaning and fulfillment and love and all the things that we want in life. And so, yeah, my advice would be to crack the door open to having it in your lineup of possibilities, right? Like anyone who's going through infertility is at this juncture. They know what's left that they Mm -hmm. can try. They know maybe it's going to be IVF. Maybe I could adopt. Maybe I can do surrogacy. Maybe I can do, you know, donor eggs. There's, you know, which options are left for you. And I would just say, if you're starting to think of like, yeah, I don't know if I can keep going with this. Yeah. Just Make that open one of the, the door, like add it into the list. And I would say, yeah. the more you can do to kind of get to know the community a little bit and, and hear from women who are childless, not by choice. And, you know, there's some great books out there. You could try reading books, Um, but just getting to hear from others, like what it's like, I think it becomes less scary. And I have to say, I completely agree. My situation is very different because I already have a child, but Mm -hmm. trying for a second one, I'm like Beck said earlier, I'm at the point of how long do we keep doing this for? Yeah. Um, And since I've been entertaining the idea, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, it feels like it would be a much easier decision. Because your mind yeah. lets you imagine what it would be like and accept what it would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I I completely agree. Just having having that, just let let like you say, just crack the door open, just let let it in, give it a tiny little bit of space, mm-hmm. and it does become less daunting and a little bit sits a little bit easier, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Katie, it's been so great chatting to you. Thank you so much. How can people find you? So I am most active on Instagram and my handle is at chasing.creation. And then I do have a website. I don't update it regularly, but um, I have a lot of different ways for people to connect. So I'm planning my second annual um, Childless Collective Summit for July. And it's going to have, we did it last year. We had 3000 attendees. Wow. And yeah. And uh, 28 speakers this year, it's also going to be over four days and it's virtual. So anyone can come for free and uh, we'll have thir- almost 40 speakers this year. Um, wow. All childless, not by choice. It's a lot yeah. of organizing. It is a lot of organizing. So I, but I'm really excited. Last year's event was just so successful and I still hear from people saying how helpful they thought it was. Um, And then I also host monthly support groups for women who are childless, not by choice. And then I started um, something called the Childless Collective, which is like a friendship map where uh, people can create a profile and find other people based on location who are childless. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. And we do like a monthly virtual hangout. So I I did a 
poll and found that 94% of childless women said that they were felt lonely in their experience of mm. being childless. And so there's not a lot of ways to connect. So that's my big, my big goal is to find ways to create that connection and community so that nobody has to go through this feeling alone. Fabulous. That sounds amazing. Good luck with it. When did you that's say it was in the you. summer? Yeah. Um, it's going to be July 14th through the 17th. Wow. Fantastic. Right. Well, we'll put all the details for that in the uh, in the show notes if you ping them over to us. That'd be thank amazing. You. Cool. All right, Katie. Thank you so much. Keep in touch and good luck. All the best with everything yeah. that you're doing. Thank you. Now, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, pleasure. Now go and have some breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going back, we'll to, go bed. back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> go back to bed. Yeah. Maybe take your lipstick off first, though. Oh, I will. <laughs> Cheers, right. Katie. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>